seems like the Bible can be challenging to understand. What are some things we need to look out for? What are some tools that can help the average person understand it better? Hi, I'm Yvonne Pran with Bible 805, where you learn to know, trust, and apply the Bible. And answers to these questions and more are in our lesson today entitled, The Bible Didn't Say That, Part 2, Three Tools to Help Keep You from Making Mistakes as You Read. Let's do a quick review and an introduction then to this lesson. In our previous lesson, we looked at the big theological word hermeneutics. And in, and in summary, that word means the guidelines we use to properly understand the Bible so that we can apply it in the way that God wants it applied. Instead of simply listing hermeneutical principles or guidelines to help us interpret things properly, which can be very helpful, but often don't make a lot of sense out of context, we looked at the verse Jeremiah 29.11. It's really popular because it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And we applied the hermeneutical principles of looking at the words in their original language, at the context of history, the context of the passage itself, and finally, the tool of principalizing. And from these tools, we got a correct interpretation of it. And you're going to have to go back to the lesson to see what we came up with. But I think you will find it very helpful, and that illustrated our introduction to hermeneutics. Now, in this lesson, there are three more hermeneutical tools that will help us properly interpret the Bible. The first one is to understand genre. In some ways, we might ask, and I'll explain this more in a minute, is the book that we're looking at a comic book or a cookbook? Really important. The second one, beware of the haptics. That means passages or words that are mentioned only once. And number three, and this I think is the most important hermeneutical principle of all, embrace humility. We know so little and so many have gone before us. Not one of us is the final authority or expert. And so we apply this by using the tools given to us by others in the body of Christ. And I'll be illustrating how to do that. We're going to briefly look at 1 and 2, and then I'm going to have a series of demonstrations of tools that will help us with number 3. Let's now look at understanding genre. Is it a comic book or a cookbook? Well, what do I mean by that? This is a foundational tool that we must understand or we won't interpret the book that we're reading correctly. It's not something that is unique to the Bible, the whole idea of genre. Genre is simply the type of writing something is. And in many cases, we intuitively know what this means. For example, we expect a comic book or graphic novel, whatever you want to call it, to tell a story. We expect a cookbook to give us directions on how to make something. Now here's a great example. Uh, they came out with this recently. It's called the Action Bible. And it's the stories of the Bible that are put into sort of comic book or graphic novel form. It's just all illustrations. And if you go through the table of contents in it, you see it's all stories. This genre, the genre of story, the genre, genre of of narrative is one way that stories 
content is told in the Bible. Now there are a variety of, of genres in the Bible and we don't read them in the same way. Different commentators have different lists but many of them include breakdowns something like this. First of all again narrative or story form. This is the form of history. This is one of the easiest to read but we need to be careful to not take as a command or just because an example is given that that's what we're supposed to do. A lot of stories in the Bible there we're shown this but we're not shown it to follow it. We see the consequences of it. We see God's blessing or whatever. So we do have to be kind of careful. Again the graphic novels comic book forms of the Bible consist primarily of these parts the story parts. Then there's wisdom literature. A book like Proverbs falls into this category and quite honestly the cookbook analogy is really good because you can take a recipe and if you follow it you are going to get a certain result depending upon how well you follow it. But with any cookbook the outcome isn't always totally guaranteed. It's the same way with Proverbs. It is a book of recipes if you will for a godly life but it is not understand underscore not a book of promises. If you follow them chances are higher that you will get this result but it's not promised. For example one of the classic verses that's always quoted in this way is where it says train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it. Now chances are the um, it's a much higher percentage that your child will do well if you've trained them as a young person but there are no guarantees but if you don't train them at all if you don't follow the recipe at all you have no idea how things are going to turn out and that's what Proverbs is like God can always step in intervene there's other things that happen but it is a set of guidelines that's what all wisdom literature is then there's poetry Hebrew poetry is very different than ours but it's similar in its use of images. And then prophecy. Prophecy is actually two of two types in the Bible. There is what's called foretelling. That's talking about the future and then there's forthtelling. That is where a person expounds on what God has already said. This is an area that there are lots of things that we can study on and uh, lots of different viewpoints and I'll show you some of them later. Then epistles are another genre. An epistle is a letter and it's vitally important to understand the specific setting that prompted the letter if you're going to interpret it correctly. We're going to go over the various genres in detail when we read through the Bible. Next year we're going to read through the Bible in chronological order and before we get to certain sections I will go over what that particular genre is and the cautions that we need in reading it. But an excellent resource that I can't recommend enough until then is the wonderful book by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. It is just an excellent, excellent book that explains how genre works in our study of the Bible. But again, we will be going over this next year when we go through the Bible in chronological order.
Now the second thing, beware of the habits. Passages are words that are mentioned only once. The Bible has a tremendous amount of repetition in it, and that can be a real comfort over all of the years that God wrote it, and it shows that our God is unchanging and that his plans are unchanging. But not everything is repeated, and that can constitute a habit. Here's the definition of a habit. This is by Dr. Gilbert Belazikian in his wonderful book, Christianity 101. Again, it's something that I highly recommend. The definition of a habit. Habit is an ancient Greek word that means once. Applied to the Bible, it refers to statements, ideas, or words that only appear once in it. Within the structure of the Bible as a whole, several stories are only told once and never cross-referenced again. Some facts are recorded once and never again. Certain ideas are expressed once and never again. A few Hebrew and Greek words are used once and never again. Each one of these is a habit. The following principle of interpretation should be obvious. And here it is. Listen carefully. Never build a doctrine or draw a teaching from an unclear or debated habit. Now he goes on to explain it in this way by saying that there is so much in Scripture that is clear we do not need to, quote, press into service difficult texts that are better off left aside when not understood. Those texts had meaning when first written, but such meanings are now lost because of our ignorance of ancient languages and customs. Humility before God's revelation requires that we recognize our limitations, using well what we do understand and admitting our ignorance for the rest. Now one of the best examples of habits and one that actually has been terribly misused is in 1 Corinthians 15.29 where Paul makes a very passing reference to baptism for the dead. Dr. Belazikian goes on to say he neither endorses the practice or explains it. The illusion is unclear. It's never confirmed elsewhere in Scripture. Even so, some groups have elevated it to doctrine. The Mormon Church has, and that is biblically a huge mistake. Now, how do you spot a habit? There are many tools we can use to do this. Some, and I'm going to discuss them in a few minutes, can specifically help you spot one and define one. One of the best ways that takes more time is to consistently read the entire Bible so that you'll know when something stands out as sort of odd or when it's only mentioned once. Not doing that and just jumping around from short passage to short passage puts you in danger of pulling out something and saying, but the Bible said this or that, and drawing an incorrect conclusion. And if so, be careful. You may have been bitten by habits. I'm just kidding, but I had to say that. But seriously, we need to know the entire Bible. We need to know what fits into the overall consistent storyline and God's entire plan in it so that we don't pull odd things out and make them more than what they really are. The third uh, quality that is so important in hermeneutics is to embrace humility. This final bit of hermeneutic advice is the direct result of all the previous lessons we've had on it. 
everything from defining genre to discovering of topics, from defining the right word in the original language to understanding the culture, the context, to proper application of a passage, each of us needs humility. The Bible is such a vast treasure, and though many have spent their lives studying it, all would agree that the more you study, the more you realize what you don't know. In those instances, humility is always the best position to be in, because then we know there's always more than we can learn, and that makes us willing then to learn from others. It's not a lazy humility, but one that works hard to learn from others. We check what the ones we check out what the ones who have gone before us have written this is so important to do now here are some of my favorite tools for doing this i'm just going to list them and briefly describe them now i'm in the process of putting together separate videos because this is something you really need to see um, for the podcast i'm just going to tell you what they are a listing of them will be in the notes, but I will be having videos within the next week on all of them on the website. But the criteria for my choice on these, and by the way, I haven't included any Bible software, no Logos, no this, no that, the other. Those I think are kind of expensive and, and I find very difficult to use. Everything that um, I'm going to show you is easily available on your desktop in your phone and all of them are either totally free or almost all of the useful features are free but just maybe a f you might have to pay just a few dollars for some additional ones. They're all very very easy to do and that's why it's very easy to use but and because they're free, they don't have sometimes the best explanations, but I'm going to give these to you. Go to Bible805.com for links to the videos of them and my comments on them. Now, keep in mind, I do not receive any financial or any other kind of consideration from them. Always with everything that is associated with Bible 805, please know I don't take any advertising, any affiliate marketing, any kickbacks, any free soft, none of that. Um, the only thing I ever promote is what um, that costs is what I have for sale on my own site. And there's very little of that. So um, all of these demonstrations are completely without gotchas and financial things and whatever. But let me just go through a list of some of my favorites now. First of all is the YouVersion Bible app available at www.bible.com. I absolutely love this app because I have it on my phone and what I use it for is to listen to the Bible. I talk a lot about how throughout most of human history people primarily li primarily listened to the bible they weren't able to read it and with the bible ver the u version bible app you can do that and you can do it in a number of translations i particularly enjoy listening to the message to the living bible because the contemporary language doesn't let me avoid applications it's it's really quite nice the next one that i use all the time is the blue letter bible and this is just the best thing in my 
reasonable opinion for looking up a verse, um, looking up the original languages because you can click on the verse and it will immediately take you to the, the Strong's Concordance numbers of it. If you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. I'll demonstrate it online. But you immediately go to either the Greek or Hebrew word. It shows you what it means in the original language, has some expanded comments where it's used elsewhere in the Bible, all kinds of other tools that you can link up to that. But I mostly use that for word studies. Then the Bible Gateway. I really like the Bible Gateway. Um, it has a paid version that's $5 a month, but even their unpaid version, the thing that I like about it, it's the way I fastest and easiest um, can look up parallel versions of the Bible. I can see what it says in the NIV, in the Living, in the Message, in the ESV, in whatever it is. You can line up up to five versions of the Bible, just boom, 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 um, completely for free on the website. Of course, this is using it on desktop, which is, is how I primarily do my study. They also have uh, word studies. One other thing that's really kind of neat is on the free version, just with one little click, you can look up a verse and then one click and it shows you that verse in all the other versions that are available. And that's a, a really neat way to just uh, get a little bit of insight on perhaps how that was translated. But again, I'll be demonstrating that to you. Then there's Precept Austin. Now, you may not have heard of this one. This one isn't one of the biggies. It's not a commercial site. What it is, it is put together by one individual, but it's just fantastic. I love this site. It's a collection of many, many, many resources for you to be able to do Bible study. Um, lots of commentaries and um, uh, word studies and just all kinds of things. It's from the uh, person who was in the precept studies there in Austin and that's how it got its name. But I look forward to showing this to you because it's, it's something that if you're not if you're not familiar with it, it is just a phenomenal resource for study. Now then, another one, I'm going to show you how to use it properly, but Wikipedia also is useful for background uh, for studies, and I'll show you some of the ways you can use that. Now, Wikipedia has some really crazy stuff on it also, but um, it can be useful for history and, and some, some different things. And then Bible 805, my website. Um, I do trust that it is an ever-growing site that you can use for your own teaching in addition to your own studies on it. Again, I'm in the process of creating demonstrations of each of these that you'll be able to link to from the Bible 805 site and just go directly to that to access them. They're wonderful, wonderful resources. And my prayer is that you'll use them fully to better know, trust, and apply the Bible. That's all for now. Please check out the notes, and I have all the links on them and the other materials in the show notes and with Bible805.com. If this teaching's been beneficial to you, please, please, please pass it on to others. I have so many resources, and I realize, especially when I, I do these little videos and stuff on um, how to use some of these study tools, they're things that are by and large free and will be just a great resource for people. Until next time, I'm Yvonne Prynne, your fellow pilgrim, 
writer, and teacher for Jesus. I'd like to close with this benediction. May you know the invitation of God to move from confusion to clarity, from wandering to rest, from loneliness to knowing you are loved, from turmoil to peace, from wherever you are on your spiritual journey, to a growing knowledge of God's Word and in your personal relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.